This is Emergency Medicine Match Advice, sponsored by Academic Life in Emergency Medicine. This is a podcast series designed to help medical students and residents strategically navigate applying to emergency medicine residency and fellowship programs. I am your host, Sarah Krasaniak from Stanford University. Let's get started. Welcome to Emergency Medicine Match Advice, sponsored by Academic Life in Emergency Medicine. For those of you who tuned into episode 37, you heard the big news. Mike Gizondi has turned the reins over to me. So thank you to everyone that has joined us for my first big step into the world of podcast hosting. As always, I am joined today by Dr. Michelle Lin, Editor-in-Chief of Academic Life in Emergency Medicine. Welcome. Thank you. You know, I had to unmute myself because I am giggling like a little girl about how excited I am. I'm rocking in my chair from excitement. So I'm going to have to mute myself so you don't hear my chair rocking during the entire podcast. So Wonderful. Okay. Muting. Love the enthusiasm. I am also really excited. We're going to have a good time today. So don't forget that you can find show notes on alium.com that will have relevant links, references, and more info on our team today. So this is actually the first in a new series that we are calling Our Two Cents. So these are going to be quick takes on hot topics. We're still going to have the deep dives that you have come to know and love from the EM Match Advice series, but every now and then you just need a quick fix. So keep your eye out for these short sessions to be sprinkled in with an otherwise great lineup of topics. Today, we are going to be talking about the new, the great, the revamped, slow or standardized letter of evaluation. And with us today, we have two really amazing guests. We have doctors Sharon Board and Doug Franzen, and I will let them introduce themselves. So Sharon, go for it. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. And I'm really excited to be on your inaugural episode of Our Two Cents. Um, My name is Sharon Board, and I am clerkship director at Johns Hopkins University. And I have been involved in student education for probably the last 10 years. And I was really excited to take over the reins of the clerkship a couple of years ago. I also have been involved in revamping the new slow. We actually are calling it the slow 2.0. And I have been co-chair of the CORD slash CDEM, the clerkship director slow committee for the last couple of years. I am also president of the Clerkship Directors of Emergency Medicine, and that's a role that I just took on this past May. So I'm really excited to be involved on all of those levels in medical student education. I'll pass it off to Doug. Thanks. Uh, I'm glad to be here as well. I'm really excited to come and talk about the the revised SLOW, the SLOW 2.0. As for me, I was a clerkship director for many years at Virginia Commonwealth University and was the president of CDEM before I switched sides of the table. And now I'm primarily focused on residency education, residency recruitment, and I'm the associate residency director at the University of Washington. And so I went from writing a whole lot of slows a year to reading a whole lot of slows a year, although I do still help write the slows. And so I I think it's important. There's a couple people like me that were on the committee that I think appreciate the issues on both sides of the table. And then we have a few people who are, you know, primarily clerkship directors and a few people who are primarily residency directors. And I think it's great that we have a really good group who kind of advocated for things to work well on, on their side of this. Excellent. Well, thank you both for joining. I love, we have just this wealth of experience and knowledge between just the two of you alone. So this is going to be fantastic. 
So as you mentioned, uh, there has been this new revamping of slow and I love slow 2.0. So, you know, medical students who are EM bound rotating through the emergency department uh, will all be getting a letter of evaluation and it follows the standardized form. You can find this new slow on the CORD website. So let's explore what we will be seeing on it. So Sharon, I want to start with you. I'm sure the decision to revise the slow was not made lightly. Help me understand why are we updating it now? Absolutely. So we first started thinking about revising the slow right around when COVID first happened. And that was when the CORD slow committee was first convened. One of the goals initially for convening the committee was to look at potentially a letter that could replace a narrative letter. And many of you have probably heard of the OSLO, which stands for off-service slow, that had been born a few years ago. We were hoping with that letter that it would provide us with more standardized information for students when they do off-service rotations. So for example, when you were completing your neurology rotation, your medicine rotation, your critical care rotation, that's what that letter would be used for. After we completed that task, we then turned to revamping the ESLO, which stands for Electronic Standardized Letter of Evaluation. Over the years, many people have looked at the data that has been gathered from slow letters. And what we have found over the years is that one of the main sections of the letter divides students into categories of thirds. So if you've seen the prior letter, there are is the lower third, middle third, top third, and then top 10% category. And many educators struggled with this because they felt as if students didn't always neatly fit into these buckets. And over the years, we have found that approximately, although we're supposed to be dividing our students into thirds, that about 10% of students are in that lower third category, which obviously isn't one third. The other thing that as educators we feel is that many of our students who are applying into emergency medicine are going to be great emergency medicine doctors, that they're going to enter residency excited to learn, that they're going to have you know, a very steep upward curve of, of learning and ultimately be successful physicians. And we felt as if there wasn't necessarily a perfect category for what we feel a majority of our students necessarily fit in. Those were some of, I think, the biggest reasons that we were looking to revamp the letter. And I think that we're hoping with some of these changes that the letter will be a really great reflection as to what your performance was on your rotation, as to how you will be able to shine and what your strengths will be during residency. So Ultimately, we really are hopeful that these changes will be helpful for students and also helpful for people who are both writing and also reading the letters. That's excellent. That's really helpful context to know why these changes came about. Now, you mentioned a couple of different types of slows, and I just wanted to clarify. So there's the O slow that comes from the off-service evaluations, and then there's the E slow, which really we're using interchangeably, I think, with you know the, this main slow. Are there other types of slows out there, and are all of them undergoing this, this revamping? It's a great question. All of the slows are going to undergo a revamping, and we're hopeful that the other slow letters, so there's a subspecialty slow, which is a slow that would be completed if you did a rotation on pediatrics, in ultrasound, uh, in toxicology, 
Those are just a few examples. There's other examples of subspecialty slows. And then there's also a slow if you rotate at a location where there's not a residency program associated with it. And that slow has a slightly different format than the regular e-slow. All of the other slows will be revamped as well, and they will mirror the slow format for the main letter. Okay, excellent. Well, it sounds like there was a lot of thought that went into this, a lot of things that the committee wanted to see changed. So Doug, tell me, when we look at this new slow, what's different? What can we expect? What, what's going to be the big change that we see here? Well, you know, I don't know that there's a single big change, Sarah. I think on the surface, if you, you know, just sort of quickly scroll through the letter, you'll say, oh, this looks about the same as it was because we did try to leave it, you know, pretty similar. Program directors have used slows for a very long time now. And I think a lot of recruitment teams use, you know, have a process where they use the slow. And so we didn't want to shake that up too terribly much. But I think one of the bigger changes is to, you know, what used to be called the radio buttons or, you know, kind of compare the student to other students in a few different attributes. So one of the big things that we did was we changed the attributes that we're looking at, right? We got rid of things like their commitment to emergency medicine, which if you remember, you know, you would go to slow conferences in years past, right? And people would have some presentation about their problems with the slow or their concerns about the slow. And that that was a common one. Like, I don't really know how to check this off, right? If I have a student who has been emergency medicine bound since five years before medical school when they first started working as a scribe and they're EM bound the whole way and they never considered another specialty, did that student really consider their choice, you know, versus the guy who is struggling between anesthesia and emergency medicine and really, really thinking hard and in your office every week and like, He's maybe not as committed, but wow, he's really thought about it. You know, like, so we got rid of some things like that and really tried to focus just on clinical skills because really, really, that's what we evaluate. That's what we look at when students are on the clerkship. That's what we want folks to comment on. The other big change in that section is we got rid of comparing the students to their peers. And we switched to these entrustability framework that really is being used throughout undergraduate medical education these days. It's not unique to emergency medicine. It's something that all medical schools are doing with with all medical students. This is a basically an entrustability framework. So is this student fully entrustable? You know that they can do this thing. You don't really need to go in the room and watch them do it. They can take a good history. Or, you know, are they mostly entrustable? You know, you got to clarify a few things with the patient or, you know, you occasionally step in and watch what they're doing, right? Or are they even pre-entrustable where you're like, yeah, I think I'll just see this one myself. Your clerkship directors are going to be really, really familiar with the entrustability framework because that's what they're doing. That's what AAMC wants them to do these days. And so we thought it was a good time to move to that framework for assessing the students. Yeah, so I think that's really fascinating. That struck me when I read through the slow 2.0 is that now instead of comparing students to their peers, they're really being compared to this, you know, criterion and this the standard that we expect of all fourth year students. I will say as a program director, it was always hard for me when I would see a slow that ranked a student lower but then said, but we're a really competitive clerkship. So maybe at another place, the student wouldn't have been ranked below their peers. It's just that we have a really strong group of students. And as program director, I was really, I really struggled with that and thought like, okay, well, so are they below their peers or are they not below their peers? And and how do I, how do I interpret this? Yeah. I mean, that's a tough question. And I think that's something that we've all wrestled with. 
And I know that, you know, a, a similar debate on the clerkship side of the table or the letter writer side of the table, I guess I should say, is I have this great group of students. Like, how can I possibly say a third of them aren't as good as the rest of the students when they're all, you know, doing so well? And I really can't even make these fine distinctions that program directors want me to make because they want to be able to put people onto a rank list. And that I think that's kind of the central tension of the slow, if you will. You know, that was one of the big things that we discussed is as clerkship directors, what we're assessing, what we're looking for is, you know, can the student do this? Yes or no. Not how does the student do this compared to their other colleagues? You know, a lot of times we don't get to work with every single student. So it's really hard to rank them compared to their colleagues. We're dependent on these end of shift evaluations that people fill out. And, you know, we all know how evaluation return rates are. We're not even going to go there. It just makes a lot more sense to say, you know, can the student do this thing? Yes or no? Because that's really what we evaluate as clerkship directors. Agreed. Okay. So what else is new and different on this new slow? So the next section, uh, which is uh, part B of this new letter, is really sort of looking at kind of the interpersonal characteristics or characteristics of the students. We thought, you know, when you fill out those things, right, for your graduating residents and they go on to their first job, there's sort of a section of what are their abilities, right? Can they do the job? Yes or no. And then there's another section of kind of, okay, beyond the clinical work, how are they interpersonally? How are they communicating and things like that? And this is actually one of the things I'm most excited about is we have a couple questions about whether or not they do their administrative tasks, right? That's the stuff that drives us crazy as program directors. Do they actually show up on time and respond to emails and all of those little things? So I know our coordinator is actually very, very, very excited about that particular section, but I am too. I, I think that that's an important one. And then the last section, you know, looks similar, but it's not exactly the same. And so this is the part where we compare this student to sort of other students. This is where we get into a little bit more normative reference. And we ask, you know, how does, how do we think this student is going to perform as a resident? And where do you think they're going to fall on their rank list? We, as we discussed the letter, you know, that was just such an important question. Again, as I mentioned before, I think that question in particular has been a big part of how recruitment committees think about putting students onto their rank list. And we said, there's, I don't think there's any way we could ever get rid of that question. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, you know, because Sharon mentioned that we we got rid of the one third rankings for the global assessment, but we're hanging on to the top third, top 10%, middle third for the, uh, for the rank list. And I, I get it. There's just certain things that are hard to let go of. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. There was a lot of debate about that. And then, you know, we, so as you just mentioned, we got rid of the thirds because previously there were sort of two questions that asked you to rank the student, right? And most of the time, everybody would be in the same two categories, right? They're top third in this one and top third in that one. And every now and then they would be different. And that always caused a lot of confusion. You know, why was he top 10% here, but bottom third there? I don't know what's going on. And you would often speculate as a program director, right? Well, maybe it's because they did this great research. Maybe it's because they're the chair's nephew. I don't know. And so we actually added a section after that that says, listen, when you're estimating the rank list, what are you considering? Are you thinking about board scores? Are you thinking about, or is it just their grade, right? You know, is it a whole lot of their entire package or is it really just how did they do on the clerkship? And that's especially important. I think when you think about home students that you tend to know really, really, really well versus visiting students where you see them for a month and you don't really know anything else about them. Yes, I agree. I I feel really seen right now, Doug, because I struggled so much with the like disconnect between the top 10%, but then bottom of their rank list. And I was like, what happened? How did they, you know, fall that way? And we don't have any more information about it. Sharon, anything that you want to add about that summary? Yeah. 
I love Doug's excitement there. I thought he did a really amazing job highlighting the changes. And one thing that I want to, I also want to bring up is within those questions, asking about those student characteristics, we also ask about, in addition to how they relate with patients, how they relate with other members of the healthcare team, how they relate with your clerkship coordinators, kind of immersed in there as well. And I think as time has gone on, we've really realized the importance as our healthcare systems have gotten more complex of being able to develop those relationships and really truly integrate into as a team member in the emergency department. And I'm excited to see that incorporated there as well. So we're able to see how our students are doing in those areas. Yeah, this is fantastic. I am, I'm always excited for recruitment season, but now this is even like making me more excited. I can't wait to see these new slows and see students coming through with these new slows that I think is really going to help solve some of those frustrations that many of us have have dealt with over the last few years. So let me just get to some of the logistics and the nuts and bolts of this. So how many slows do you think a student should aim to have? And, and does it matter what kind of slows? Um, I think generally on an application, it's best to have about two slows is usually what students have on average. So on your ERS application, there are four slots for letters. Oftentimes, I will recommend to students that they have a slow from a home rotation. And if you don't have a home rotation, that you can get two slows from away rotations. So from two separate away rotations. If you have a home rotation that you would have one slow from your home rotation, one from an away rotation, and then you have two other letter spots. And students are oftentimes wondering, how do I use these other letter spots? I think there are many options that I think it depends on what your experiences have been. If you had a meaningful experience with an attending on an off-service rotation, like your medicine rotation or critical care rotation, you can get a letter from them and you could use the OSLO format if you prefer. It's not required. I think a narrative letter, if that individual felt more comfortable writing that would be a perfectly acceptable letter format. You could use that for a subspecialty slow if you've gone and done a subspecialty rotation. So I think there are really a lot of different options for how you can use those other two letter spots. It's important also to remember that you don't need to fill in all of those letter spots it's okay to only have three letters within your application. Most programs will anticipate or will expect that you have two slows. Some programs will accept an application that has one slow in there. And there are definitely special circumstances. And we always take into consideration the students who don't have a home rotation. And sometimes it can be really hard to get into emergency medicine rotations before ERS opens. I know that sometimes even my students who have a home rotation really can struggle with that. So programs are oftentimes really great at keeping that in mind when they're first reviewing files. Excellent. All right. And then I do want to come back. We have a couple more parts of the slow that are new. So Doug, why don't you take us through the rest of the new slow? In terms of new parts, there's always been a written comments section that's on there where we ask clerkship directors or letter writers to comment on the students' various strengths and perhaps weaknesses. And then one of the things that we added this year is we changed up the institutional information section. This used to be a fairly open comment thing, and it, oftentimes it was a little confusing or it just wasn't clear. 
And I think especially as a program director, when you're getting a letter from a program that you don't really know, uh, you know, you have a, a student who is applying to you from part of the country where you don't typically take applicants. We ask for a little bit more information about the hospital itself, you know, tell us how big of a place this is, how busy of a place this is. And rather than leaving that as open text, we actually put in some drop down menus where the letter writer can choose some different options. So that not only will help standardize the information that's in the letter, but we're also secretly nerdily excited that that's going to facilitate research because the answers will be a little bit more standardized and we can start grouping things into, you know, hospitals that are this big or hospitals that are that big or level one trauma centers or whatever, without having to wade through all of the handwritten data, right? And code it all like a big qualitative study. We'll actually have some, some nice ways to parse through the data that way. That's a secret nerd tip. I love it. I love the secret nerd tips. And I will also tell you, I definitely had to Google some of the places where I had letters from in previous years. I was like, I don't know what this place is. And that's probably more on on my end, but it'll be really helpful for me to know and be able to put into context some of what we are seeing on the slows. It's funny that you say that, Sarah. We actually specifically added in a section for where you say your institution name, and then you say where your institution is located, because we always, you would see university hospital and there are so many of those and we would have, you would have no idea where it was. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or even worse, like Memorial hospital. And you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> mercy, lots of mercy. Yeah. <laughs> well, these are a lot of changes. Sharon, tell me, how did you guys decide what, you know, I'm sure there were a lot of opinions, a lot of people with a lot of experience. How did you decide what to include and what not to include? So like Doug had mentioned, we had a committee that had lots of representation from program directors, clerkship directors, people who have made transitions among them. We had some people who are actually even in the dean's office now. So lots of different educator perspectives, people representing student perspectives and residency. We also had sent out a survey to the communities of CORD and CDEM. And we used a lot of the information that we gathered from them to help guide where we made changes on these letters. There were opportunities for people to designate how they felt about each specific section that was on the slow and to give suggestions as to how they think it could be better. And we really took a lot of that information we gathered from the survey to heart and we used it to guide many of the changes that you're seeing. That's excellent. So truly a group effort, really reflective of the voice of emergency medicine educators across the spectrum. So that's excellent. Congratulations. This was a no small task, but I am really excited about it. As am I. I am excited for release day. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, so now I want to hear if you had to give us your two cents What do you think is the most noteworthy change or the change that you are most excited about? And I'll start with Sharon and then we'll go to Doug. So what's the one thing? Got to choose one. That's a really excellent question. Because like I said, I'm really proud of the entire letter and I'm very excited and anticipating hopefully a successful release. I think the section that I'm most excited about is the one in which we really have criterion referencing, where we're asking if students are entrustable and how entrustable we think that they are in different tasks. And I'm excited about it because I think that it is the way that the AMC is really hoping that we will discuss our students and their progress through medical school. And I love that it's a reflection of that. Doug, what about you? Sharon stole my answer. (laughs) 
But I'm, I'm actually really excited about part C, having gotten rid of the thirds in the first part of that question, because, you know, like we talked about before, I think, you know, there are some years where you have just this cadre of really amazing students. They're all top notch. They're all going to be superstars. And those years, it was so hard to put people into the thirds, you know, and there are other years where you get this nice, you know, Gaussian distribution of students and some are really good and some are not quite as good. You know, in those years, putting people into the thirds was a whole lot easier. And so I, I like that there's not these sort of mathematical constraints where everyone will complain if you don't use it, right, even though none of us actually used it. And, and so it, it's nice to kind of have the freedom to really and truly say, like, this is where I think this student is going to shake out. And I know, you know, from sitting through a lot of sessions at CORD where we discussed this, I think that was probably one of the biggest complaints about the slow was that it was really hard to put students into that category and none of us were doing it right anyway. So I, I am very excited that we've we've tried to find a nice solution around that. I absolutely agree, Doug. Wonderful. All right. Well, this is getting towards the end. I want to turn it to Michelle and let you chime in with any of your tidbits of wisdom. I am still giggling back here, uh, unmuted. Uh, what a great episode. I mean, Sarah, do you feel like we got a little bit more than our two cents? It's more like a 98 center. Oh, so yeah. Many- uh, knowledge bombs that fell throughout this podcast. But, you know, and also, did you notice there are more several instances of twos? Like, you need two slows. This is a slow 2.0. This is our two cents. I'm wondering if there's a little bit of loose change in y'all's pockets, because I have just one more question. There's so many stakeholders, right, to using this letter. And I think we've addressed many of it, which relates to students and what to expect in these letters. I think it's super smart to know kind of the gamesmanship behind the letter writing, what people are going to be evaluated on. But as any new product that comes online, whether it's innovation or forms or surveys, someone's going to figure out a way to wreck it, right? Someone's going to figure out a way not not to use it, right? And so I'm wondering for students, this is just top secret information and advice for PDs, program directors. So feel free to turn it off. No need to listen to this part. But we're going to try to figure out and hash out some details, maybe to help the PDs about how best to use this form. Because I assume you, in your mind, Sharon and Doug, you have an idea of how what are best practices for this form. But what is some advice you might have for the letter writers and readers? Yeah. So I think for the letter writers, it's going to be really important that we are flexible, right? I am a letter writer, and I think that we are going to have to change the way we are thinking about ranking our students on these letters. As much as we sometimes had dislike for those third buckets, right? It was kind of the way our brains sort of adapted to thinking about our students when they rotated. So I think we're going to just really need to be, especially in this first year, very thoughtful about when we're writing these letters about where our students fit in these rankings, because ultimately we want to make sure that we're passing on great, you know, high value information to residency programs. I think that's the most important thing from a letter writer perspective. And I think probably from the readers of the letters as well, right? I think everyone whether you loved it or you hated it or you were somewhere in the middle, you were, you were creatures of habit, right? And they were used to looking at the letters and you could almost sort of go through it and like do it in your sleep. So I think just changing the way we think. And if we've learned anything over the last few years, it's that as emergency medicine physicians, we are a flexible and resilient bunch. So I'm confident that we can do this, <laughs> but I just think we're all going to need to keep a little bit of an open mind. Doug, any thoughts? 
sorry, my internet was really unstable and I didn't catch most of Sharon's answer. So I, I sorry, you're unstable. Go ahead. <laughs> we all knew that though. That's, that's nothing new. <laughs> I said, we're going to have to be flexible. That's true. Uh, yeah, no, I think from, from a recruitment standpoint, from using the slow, you know, I think there's maybe a little less stratifying information in here than what there has been in years past. But I think that's actually good because I think a lot of that information was was sort of false anyway, right? It was, we were drawing lines where it was really difficult or not even possible to draw lines. And so I think, you know, holistic review is, is certainly a buzzword these days. And I think that we're going to have to be a little bit more thoughtful about how we're using these letters. And, and that's, that's actually, I, I think, a really, really good thing. The letter still tells us, is this student ready for residency? What are their strengths? What are areas where they maybe need a little bit of improvement? And then hopefully a good narrative that talks about, you know, where they're going to succeed, where they might need a little bit of help. And I, I think that those are all, all good things. And again, this letter is so useful compared to the other standardized narrative or the other narrative letters that we get from other specialties that we we'd really have to do a lot of work to make this thing not valuable. <laughs> That's awesome. I appreciate it. I, it's so much time. It sounds like it was spent into this form to make things more fair, more transparent and more for the letter readers, the ability to not have to read the writer's mind in interpreting a lot of the data. That's not, you know, everybody with perfect scores, which not everybody's going to get perfect scores. So how do you paint that picture a little bit so that it actually is fully representative of the applicant? So I love all of that. It sounds like it's really kind of hard to go wrong with this as long as you put some thought into how you write and read this. So kicking it back to Sarah. Right. Excellent. Well, this is taking us to the end of our inaugural, our two cents session. As we wrap up, I want to just tap this collective wisdom one more time. And if we could end it with each of you providing your one tip that you would give to students to ace their rotations. This is an exciting time of year for everyone. What do you tell people? How do they ace their rotation and get this strong, slow written for them? I think the tip that I have for students is be nice and flexible with everyone who you meet. I think it's important to know that the coordinators, everyone is there to help you. And the best thing you can do is in the clinical area, outside of the clinical area, be nice, be kind, act like a good team member. And I think that's what people really want nowadays. They want someone who is going to, you know, really be able to to integrate in that way and someone who's going to be easy to work with and uh, is a good person. 100% agree. All right, Doug, what did you have for us? I also agree with that, but I will I will temper it ever so slightly because, and I don't know if this is, is COVID or this is just me, but I have seen students who really, really, really want to be helpful, right? They, you know, they're being nice and they're grabbing blankets and they're getting drinks and, you know, handing out the turkey sandwiches and all these things that you love to see. But at the end of this shift, you realize you're like, I don't know how they did on differential diagnoses, right? So I try and tell students, you know, hey, listen, you're here to do clinical stuff. And that's got to be your focus, you know, absolutely be a good team member, play, you know, nicely with everybody that's down here. But in the end, you're here to see patients. And, and that's what I'm evaluating you on. And that's the conversation I have with them at the start of the shift is this is what we're looking at. You know, yes, yes, we want to see good team members. Yes, we want to see you interact nicely with your patients. We want your patients to write you nice cards and give you hugs when they're discharged. But in the end, you got to be a clinician. And that's, that's what we're really looking for. Excellent point. I guess we'll care for patients too. <laughs> 
<laughs> Wonderful. Well, with that, we will wrap it up. Thank you both for joining us. It was so excellent. I feel like I could have this conversation for the next three hours, but we'll keep it short and sweet. So thank you both. As always, Michelle, thank you for being here and for your support as well. Bye-bye. Thanks Bye, for having everyone. us. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of EM Match Advice. You can listen to any of our episodes for free on Podbean. You can also check out a summary of today's episode as a blog post on alium.com. 